welcome back from the Backseat Football Podcast. Don't worry, we did take a week off our first break of the season, but we were always coming back. I'm doing the intro, City have won, it's official, football's ruined, it's over, Arsenal have bottled it, there's so much more exciting stuff happening, and yet today we are changing the format. Yeah, it's only taken us 37 games of the season for us to shake things up. Now, we think it's for the better, you can decide that. We're sick of talking about the game when you fucking watched it, so we're just going to talk about more general things. And looking ahead to next season, and looking ahead at what's next for this podcast. As always, I am joined by the Jack. Such a rogue intro. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> Thank I you. Didn't want it to end. <laughs> it's just, just absolute shit. <laughs> just loved it. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I mean, have good. we have have we got um, better intros or have we got worse? I think we just care less potentially. I think we've become less I professional think, yeah. as we've got more comfortable. Yeah. It turns out that the trick the of podcasting old... is caring less, you see. And that's why I've got a glass of red. Because, you know, commiserations for Hugh. At points during this season, mm. I did believe that maybe, just maybe, this was going to happen. But no, the we bald fraud we has frauded it over us again. Sorry, the Lord. He's lorded over us. He hasn't frauded over us. The bastard. He's going to win the fucking treble. I've had enough. <laughs> the bald Lord has frauded it over the us. The bald Lord <laughs> fraudiola. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I think... As much as everyone likes the way we do things, even we have to admit we have more fun when we actually talk about topics rather than just just recycled football, basically. Yeah. Obviously, we'll get back to recycled football, but it's nice to mix mm. it up. When the games it's don't not really matter away. anymore, yeah, you know, exactly. it's not about the games, it's about the themes, it's about the results, it's about the wider context, it's about why did Arsenal bottle it? More on it's that not. in part it's two. Not. We didn't. We didn't fucking bottle it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> mate, the way you're going, mate. If you, if if it was earlier in the season, you you'd probably have come third. Come third. You are. You, you just you're just like rolling over the line now. You're being dragged over by time. Brother, we just smashed the first part of the season. You know the the slow up was coming. Anyway, but we're going to talk about it in the second part, mate. Just look at where you are on the table, and then chat to me later. Yeah. Hit a nerve. Yeah. There'll be more of that, listener. Yeah. We'll be, we'll yeah. be trying to get a few nibbles. That goes to all of you today. Liverpool fans, by the way. All of you. All of you. Top four. <laughs> <laughs> How the tides have changed. No, we are actually oh. going to talk about football. I'm sorry. I'm just... I am still annoyed. I haven't... haven't really got over it yet. So, look, we'll start there. City are champions. And to be honest, they've been so good these last couple of months. And it's... It's hard. It's almost hard to be angry at them now. I think post Real Madrid four 0 thrashing, it's almost hard not to put a bit of respect on their name because they are looking like the best team in Europe mm-hmm. by a distance, aren't they? Yeah. Sometimes you just ha- yeah have to hold your hands up and be like, Do you know what? They're just better than us. They're just better than us. They're better than everybody else. And we might look back and say this was one of the greatest ever seasons of all time. The way it's going. So, you mean, like in terms of their success, because they do in terms look like they're of, yeah, in terms of the, the number of trophies, the treble looks very much on. I feel like it's all going to come down to Man United. I don't believe in Inter, but Inter are the kind of awkward, rugged, I don't mm. want to play football kind of team that mm-hmm. could just sucker punch them and just cling mm-hmm. on for dear life. But 
I suspect so. You are clutching think... at straws a bit. Yeah, but you know, like I feel like they may have been so focused on Real Madrid because obviously, you know, the history of last year when they choked it big time in the semis, that mm-hmm. they may actually overlook Inter. And that would be really, 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 really silly of them if they do. Because I think Inter can be a very dangerous team and as you say, a very difficult team to break down. And they will frustrate City in that final. I am certain of that. So, you know, football could be saved. I'd love to see Inter win it. I think everyone apart from Manchester City fans would love to see them win it as well. Every single person... Mm-hmm. It's it's Man City fans, AC Milan fans, and then everybody else. Everybody and else, yeah, yeah. You can understand why because it's it's not looking good. It's not looking good, bro. If City win everything this season, bar the no. Cup, which they have no. won six seasons in a row prior to this season, so I really mm. think they don't give a fuck about that one anymore. That no. that doesn't sit well with me personally. So, well, are, are they going to win the treble? Then, what do you reckon? I think he's Yeah, I think they probably will. I can't see Man United doing anything because they're looking a bit rubbish at the world at the moment, United. And it'll be, what, the second treble in the Premier League era after Man United in 99? Yeah, yeah, United's famous 99. Probably. Bit too early for Hugh and I to really appreciate that. And yeah, really understand I mean, the gravitas of it. I was a young but, man. A young A young man? <laughs> A young man, a small child. A very young man. <laughs> I think you would have been, what, four years old? Maybe five? Yeah, maybe. No, it would have been four, wouldn't it? Because, it, yeah. Yeah. So what, what did it mean to you, four years old, that treble? Well, I'm glad you asked, Jack. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> um, no, I, you know what? My first football memory was 2001 which was the FA Cup final at the Millennium Stadium. I think we beat Southampton 1-0 in a very rubbish game. That genuinely is my first memory of football. So, unfortunately, I've got absolutely no recollection of the 99. We know where the 99 treble has it has its place in history, you know, and, and like mm-hmm. it's, it's a storied story, you know. Yeah. If you're romantic, you prefer that one, but there is an argument to suggest that City are better I feel like the standard of football is higher than in 1999 because there are actually a lot more teams who are good like Liverpool and Chelsea have been shit but they probably would have been alright with this team in that season they probably would have run it relatively close the standard of football has just changed the rules have changed I guess they're not comparable speaking out loud but would I back this City team to smash that Man United treble team absolutely absolutely 5-6-0 I think unfortunately is it is it is it fair to compare football back then to football now? I don't think just, so. Do you know what I mean? No. Like, is it just a case of... Science is different. You just can't anymore. It's just too different, isn't it? Like, the rules are different. So yeah. Because it's like people are fitter. Like we have sports science, we have all those things. Before, you don't have any of this knowledge. It'd be like in the future comparing it where like VAR works properly. Everyone's like seven foot tall, built like Michael Jordan. And that's just standard. You know, Erling Haaland is the first prototype of the rest of all footballers and how they're going to look. They're all going to look like Haaland at some point. Yeah, you just, I can't believe Haaland's on for a treble in his first season. He's already smashed the Premier League record. You know, any talk, any talk of him flopping has been so far off the mark that it almost hurts, you know, because I don't know. I just don't really see how Man City can get worse here. 
they can't get worse. All we'll this is so this is so negative. I was about to say we're all just basically waiting for Pep to just leave now and KDB to retire. That's that's what we're waiting for. Until that happens, mm. there's just no way. There's no. just no way. I mean, what's like, that? Is that is that five Premier Leagues in six years now for them? Five and six. Liverpool run them oh, hard. In three of them. Disgusting. And no one else has got close. Like it's not like they've dropped off at any point. They have been ninety plus points every single time. So no, it's the, Arsenal, the, the longevity. Arsenal fell away for like twenty percent of the season and just got absolutely steamrolled. It's a joke. It's a joke. Liverpool kept up for a bit. Our team's fucked now. Like, mm. physically, just ruined. Oh, I don't know, though. Yes. Pep, he is a genius. It's annoying, but I think he is the GOAT in terms of management. He only needed, you know, 115 breaches of, of UEFA's financial rules to uh, achieve this, which we should probably address mm. the elephant in the room. Does it tarnish it somewhat? Yes. Why aren't people speaking about it more? I think people don't speak about it because they don't want to seem like they're whining about it. And maybe they don't want to get sued as well because they are on Sky Sports and they get paid a lot of money to be opinionated within reason. Hence why Graham Sooners get the boot too opinionated. I get that. Too controversial. You know, it's a very significant thing, 115 charges. I mean, we've absolutely vilified fucking Ivan Tony for betting. Mm-hmm. But arguably, City's City's breach is far more severe. You know, Juventus have just been docked ten points for dodgy transfer dealings. How can you not say that's not similar to what Manchester City have supp- allegedly done? Now, I understand allegedly, that yeah. it could take until twenty twenty six or some shit before they actually, you know, go get these charges. I wonder what sorted. happened. I wonder what twenty twenty six. They'll be like, oh. It's too long ago now. Who really cares? But that's the I thing. I don't fight. think people really care. I think they'll get a slap on the back. They might get deducted points, but they certainly won't strip them of the titles. And I don't think anyone will be calling for it either. It just seems odd, doesn't it? That we're all kind of just glossing over the fact that there's a very high probability that these guys have cheated out of their out of their minds, well, out of their skins I to achieve this level. I don't think it's I don't think it's probability. I'm pretty sure it's everyone just knows. But it's one of those things where like you know the the rich kid gets away with it again because of who they know because of their network you know they've been cheating on the test but it doesn't matter daddy will solve it that's basically this it's just it's just a it's like so society what, we're just we're just used to it it's just apathy that. yeah, yeah. Okay. Just okay. Like, there's nothing you can sense. do about it is it there's nothing you can do yeah. about it everyone knows they've cheated because they have the highest sponsorship money of any club and they have no fucking background in making deals like this and all of a sudden sponsorships coming out of their nose left right and centre all very interestingly located in one specific country. It's a load of bullshit. They got found guilty of paying Mancini double the salary they uh, announced so that it would seem like their costs were lower. Um, mm-hmm. And then backhanders for him. How many backhanders are going around right now with everyone all the time? Well, again. they are cheating a lot. These, This is just like the ones that they've been caught. How many things do people get caught with in general court you know where they've done like embezzlement they're like okay these are the top 10 where we've got proof but there's at least 100 like, there's, yeah, there's loads it's more true. yeah but it just but it where does it leave us and you know where does it leave us it doesn't really leave us because like you say like, I don't particularly care about these charges because like you say I'm just apathetic you know we, we know the score now with these foreign owners 
you know, coming over, these billionaires, mm-hmm. you know, Sheikh Jassim from Qatar, Man United, could well be next. It's happened at Newcastle this season and it's becoming a very much common place for football. So part of me thinks it won't tarnish it because they can hide behind the fact they have an excellent squad and they have Pep Guardiola, the best manager of the 2010s going into 2020s, at least. I would say he's probably up there if he wins a treble this year with the best of the best. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think that's the caveat, isn't it? It's it's they, they have assembled an excellent team. And the argument is Manchester United have spent as much in the same period as Manchester City's ascendancy to the top. And they just haven't done it well. So I guess the credit has to go that, yes, they were backed by a state, but with that with that money they have built a top top team from top to bottom facilities chief executives you know the whole shebang the whole shebang so yeah well done city you sad little lives you're ruining football (laughs) (laughs) it's spot on though you only need to look across the channel to look at PSG and see exactly what happens where you don't get you know you don't get it right They've had yes. all the advantages and they have milked every single one to its full potential. And this is what you get. The most mm-hmm. perfect football team maybe ever. It is ridiculous. And not all those players are like world-class players when they're brought in. You no. know, He has elevated almost every single one of that team. Well, let's uh, name some of them. Because I think like people like Nathan Ake, phenomenal this season. Akanji. Yeah, Akanji. I was like, he's rubbish. He's yeah. just... He's just full of rickets. He was he was rubbish at Dortmund. Leaky at Dortmund. He's played fantastically well this season. Jack Grealish, let's give him his flowers, John's, has been John, yeah. brilliant. John Stones, revelationary. Stones. I've never seen a centre back become some sort of register just within games so fluidly. Yeah, I mean he's Bonds. always been good on the ball, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, you just it's, it's revolutionary what they've done, and I think Pep's wise enough. I think he's, I think he's versatile. And, and kind of flexible Pep whereas for example Jurgen Klopp's a bit more rigid in how he, he strategizes and assembles a team Pep Guardiola you know he, he's openly admitted he was influenced by the Zerbi style of football and it shows and they're better for it and I guess that what makes him great is that he's constantly trying to improve even though he's been at the top for God knows how long so yeah, yeah. He, he has his like finger on the pulse in terms of trends and he's always examining is there a better way to do it? Because like he's exactly. pivoted. He's basically turned the season around with this four centre-backs slash three centre-backs approach. They didn't start the season like this. This happened in sort of Jan and then they've gone on this crazy run. So he's a genius. Yeah. It's just separating the art from the artist, isn't it? Hey man, so let's wrap this up. You said it earlier, we're all kind of waiting for Pep to leave. Now Pep signed an extension during the World Cup for another two years at the club, so he is now scheduled to leave in 2025. As it stands, you can't really see him leaving even in 2025. You'd imagine he might well extend again. Why would you? It's his playground. It's built for him. He is is the god there, and whatever he wants to do, he gets to do with an advantage over everyone else. Like, it's glorious. Even as, like, the greatest footballing team of the last 10 years, he's still the top dog. No one's bigger than him. No players, no one. It's it's like the perfect job. There's there's no better. The only thing why he would leave is if they get found guilty and then we'll be like, is he a man of principle or not? Because he said he would leave if they're found guilty. So that yeah. would probably be the main catalyst for major change. And then just see him just taking a break and then just taking random little side quests at that point having completed football 
Mm. I mean, I almost feel like he needs a Champions League to finally get that monkey off his back. Because, you know, that's the only bit of slander he's had left, which is he couldn't win it since his Barcelona days. So I think that's enough about City. Congratulations, five and six. We are moving closer and closer to being Farmers League every day. And it's... It's an interesting time for the Premier League. It's hard, isn't it? We've always been marketed as a super competitive league and, you know, compared to the other big leagues amongst Europe. But it's just not true. You know, really, if I look at that table, City could end the the season 10 points ahead of us, which is not close, really. You know, it's not close. It's a 20-point swing. It's it's a joke. And then beyond that, if Newcastle win both their games and City win both their games then they could end the league 19 points ahead of third. I mean, it's it's not close. There's no contest in this league. And that is a worry. Yeah. And this, was, the, this was a wobbly the season the for them. Yeah. Oh, it's, you know, it's a were... massive worry. It's a massive worry. Mm. And th- this is what I was trying to say before. I feel like at some point, the people that approved the takeover may have to look at themselves and go, hmm, this might have not been the best move in hindsight because we've damaged the products now. That was the main selling point, was that four teams could win it. And then it became six, and now it's one. I guess the argument there is that Manchester United dominated in a very similar way through the 90s with financial power. So maybe, maybe actually, this is just the status quo. And the Premier League has always been, whoever has the most money really does win it. I mean, look at Chelsea under Abramovich in Mm. those early years. Perhaps... Perhaps we're just getting tired because we know that a fair competition, we seem to stray further from it every year in terms of, you know, FFP is a sham. Like, when has FFP ever been applied correctly? It hasn't. So. No, it, it, it's, we thought it was rock solid and it's not, it doesn't really matter. But it really depends on who you are and who you know. And I feel like City know all the right people in all the right places to just make these things disappear over time. So until Pep leaves, just just enjoy your football. Don't worry about the trophies because they're not going to be yours. Just enjoy good football and good days out, I'd say. And just yep. wait for it all to be over. I agree. So I'm tired of talking about it. Let's go further down the table to some other stories. Now, anyone who's listened to this pod throughout the season knows that we do have a soft spot for Brighton. And they've done it. First time in their entire history, they have qualified for Europe. Now they are in sixth place, which means they would take Europa League. They have a game in hand over Villa and a superior goal difference and a three-point swing. So, no, that's it. Mathematically, they've done. They've done it. They have yeah, secured done. Done Europa yeah. League. There's not even the chance of Conference League. That is between Villa and Tottenham. Lol. So well done, Brighton. And Deserby deserves it. Haha, bringing it back. Yes. It is actually like the miracle, the miracle season. Like when you, let's take a step back. Let's let's do a little history lesson because I was looking into this because I was curious. So back in 2009, Tony Bloom was just a supporter of Brighton and they were in disarray. They had crippling debt. They played mm-hmm. on a really shitty stadium, to be honest. Just a bit of field, basically, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were kind of on their way down the pyramid as opposed to up they looked pretty yeah there didn't seem to be a way out and so he bought 75% of the club invested 93 million in building the Amex Stadium and clearing the debts and within that 14 year period he has turned them into 
I'd say the best run club outside of Man City in England and not just that no matter what knocks they suffer along the way they seem to bounce back stronger so his investment let's, let's just say it was 100 mil right just to keep it simple the club's got to be worth at least overestimating maybe a billion somewhere close to a billion if they are a Europa League team in the Prem and Man United are being valued at 6 billion Chelsea sold at 5.5 or something a billion's not that bad I mean Spurs are trying to value themselves at 5 billion and that is truly incredible have a look so now I'm pulling these figures from Google so please they're not reliable but let's have a look this is out of July 2022 Uh, anyone who's hearing some scratching and some muffled meowing that is the cat I've decided just to leave her locked outside because I just cannot bear it during the pod but I hope you enjoy it very much okay Brighton as of July 11th 2022 were valued at 270 million pounds that's got to have doubled by now then are we taking into account their assets in terms of players because the Amex is new the Amex is a great stadium I've been there a couple of times when I was living in Brighton and their training centre which is near Lansing in West Sussex is also very very good you know Tony Bloom has Mm -hmm. put the facilities in place for sure now anyone interested in how Tony Bloom made his money well no one fucking knows the guy's a secret he was a poker player I'm going to read from his wiki page. Bloom's wealth has accumulated primarily through propriety or value betting on sports events. Bloom heads up a private betting syndicate, which is believed to have been continuously successful year on year for a sustained period of time. Bloom also holds significant property in private equity portfolios. Now, we have touched on this before as well. He also owns Star Lizard, which, again, is a very kind of mysterious company there's not a lot of information available about Star Lizard and I think they keep that but essentially it's a consultancy firm that helps bet bet makers the bookies what is it what do you call mm. them the betting companies helps them make their odds so it's based off data so if you're giving the bookies the odds then you have the inside scoop don't you and I'm it's no surprise that yeah. they are cherry picking the best prospects from markets such as South America, as we well know, we think of McAllister, mm-hmm. you think of Encisos, and the next one to come up, Caicedo. So, I think, uh, I want to compare him to someone like Daniel Levy. Tony Bloom is the dream owner, because he's invested in the club as a fan, but he also yes. has the facilities to actually run the club really well. I didn't really say that very well. He has the resources through his own kind of business acumen, you know, to, to really help Brighton achieve. You know, the, the way the way that their, their transfer policy is by far the best in, in the league. It's just simple as that. You know, no one can. It's genuinely one of the best I've ever seen. It's, it's unbelievable. But the thing I think the advantage he has is that he uses it's his own money. He's bought mm-hmm. it with his own stuff, and so every pound is really considered. I feel like sometimes if you know like let's say Man United Ed Woodward didn't feel that attached to any money that he spent and wasted did he not to the same degree like Tony Bloom will look at it and think if I put 5 mil into Caicedo what else could I have done with that 5 mil and he'll he'll really work it out so when he puts the money in he must feel very certain that this is the best investment of that money 
because he's extremely competent. He's very and, decisive, you know, and he he makes right making decisions. Making investment. I mean, if you think about, let's think about this year. So even before Todd Bowley came and you know pillaged <laughs> Brighton, we were talking about Dan Ashworth. I'm Do you beginning remember? to think. Hmm? So Dan Ashworth was saying? their technical director. Oh, who yeah. got poached by Newcastle. Oh, yeah. People were like, oh, it's a massive loss. He's apart. integral. He's integral. He's bloody integral. Right? They've had maybe arguably their best summer business last year and, you know, enhanced the team. Then they lost Potter after a tremendous start. They lost Kukurea, their player of the season. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Levy probably wouldn't have been so ballsy, right, to have allowed his star manager who he... You know, Graham Potter was that guy at that point in the season, and their Player of the Year go to Chelsea in the space of you know a week between each other. Well, and Basuma as well. To oh yeah, Sol Basuma, and you're thinking, oh, Brighton are going to dip here, but he's he's just very decisive and he's a poker player, so you know he's got a pair of balls on him. And yeah, I, I honestly mm-hmm. believe that there is no better person out there for Brighton fans or to be leading the club than someone like Tony Bloom. And long may it continue. I mean, how far no. can they go? How long can they keep hold of De Zerbi for, I guess, is the real question. Yeah, but like, even with De Zerbi, right, how long do they keep him? I don't know. But where they are at the moment, you know that he's going to at least ride out next season because it's so good right now. So far, their European debut for an entire club. If he goes out in the qualifying round, that's the most successful European campaign in their history. So whatever he does, he writes history. You want to stay around for that. You want to see how this goes. And like even hiring him was like it was a bit left field. People didn't know a lot about him. Everyone in Sky Sports was just like, but does he know the league? Does he really understand Premier League football? Maybe they don't understand Premier League football because they have no fucking idea. They would have. They would rather have David Boys in every job. I'm convinced. Moise. So, Moise. So I'd say Europa League, I'd say they're one of the favourites in my book. Because who would really want to play them over two legs? You know? People will underestimate them, so they won't sit back. They will try and attack them, and they'll just get done on the counter and the long ball time and time again. You know, like Leicester, we didn't take them seriously for 60% of the season. We just kept mm. playing right into Leicester's hands. High press, and they just they just go over the top and pass Jamie Vardy. I think the same kind of scenario with Brighton. People will underestimate them in Europe and they'll make a couple I of things so. very foolish. I think so. And I think De Zerbi has, you know, he's got European pedigree. You think of Shakhtar. Mm-hmm. I think Sassuolo may yeah. have made European competition under his stewardship as well. So it's looking bright for Brighton. No pun intended there. And I think there's a lot to be... Very accurate. Well, there's a lot to be cheerful about, obviously, as a Brighton fan, but arguably next season it could be more exciting. Now, we should, before we go to a break, maybe talk about the potential losses of McAllister and Caicedo. I understand McAllister's very close to a Liverpool move and there is a clause in his contract to a release clause. So that would be interesting. Caicedo, again, you know, he signed a new contract in January after the whole Arsenal saga, but I imagine that was signed with a clause in there as well. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think both will leave this summer. I think I think they will. I think McAllister definitely will. And I think Caicedo yeah. probably will as well. So will they be able to replace two massive midfielders for them? I would say, firstly, um, I think Caicedo might stay, to be honest. I think he might go next summer or in Jan. I don't know if they'd want to get rid of both. That seems really risky. Because they, they are both really, really, really good. I know they're extremely good at transfers, but like, come on. 
Caicedo took a few seasons to get here. We haven't seen really anyone, as far as I'm aware, who looks ready to fill in immediately. Which yeah, but we say that every time. With, Do you know what I mean? Mm, like we say that every time they go to someone. There'll be someone. There'll be someone. There'll be someone there. But there might be. This. This is probably why they're going in so heavily for that. Dahoud and James Milner. They just want maybe like good players for right now, for next season, a bigger squad. And then Milner's maybe someone who emerges in the back end of next season. Yeah, Milner, I find Milner makes so much sense though. In a team of young players who don't. You know, they haven't played Yeah, any uh, I guess so. I guess just having James Milner around in the dressing room makes yeah. so much sense. You know, he's a good lad, works hard, still can do a job, can play in every position. Yeah, Don't yeah. be surprised to see Milner left back, right back, like Pascal Gross. That's a good point. Makes sense to yeah. me. And Dahoud, actually, when I watched him for Dortmund, he's a good player. He's a bit of a baller. So. Yeah, I wouldn't put yeah. it past Brighton to have a very similar season. So, um, you know, the person I, I feel I've worse just realised. I've realised who it is, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. I've realised he who, who's a replacement is already. It's Billy Gilmore. Hasn't really nah. played this season. He's online. Good player. No, they bought him. They bought him last summer and then Potter left immediately. Yeah. So I think Billy Gilmore to fill the voids next season. I reckon. I mean, he's long been touted as a as a as a you know potentially great player. Just haven't really seen it yet. He has played more. I noticed McAllister's been on the bench a lot more. Um, mm-hmm. as we approach the end of the season and maybe that is to do with the fact that it is pretty much bang on confirmed that they are leaving so Billy Gilmore now's your time to shine but anyway it's coming up to half an hour we're going to keep this on track today we are going to come back with a bit more about some stuff about a potential bottle and then <laughs> get really angry and then we're probably going to call it so look forward to that See so you yeah there. stay tuned you don't want to miss that. Welcome back to From the Back Seat, and it's time to talk about two teams who are involved in a very funny result on Sunday. First, we'll talk about Nottingham Forest. We're not going to we're not going to go into the game. We're going to spare Hugh the misery. But let's Yay. talk about Forest. They survived. They guaranteed their survival with a pretty tasty one 0 win over Arsenal. A sad Arsenal team, we should say. Mm. And again, quite happy actually that they you know that they stayed up. I think uh, I like Forest as a team. They provided us with a lot of content during this podcast, particularly in the early months. I think. Nottingham Forest and Chelsea were really carrying us at times on certain episodes because they were just hilarious. Um, mm, I mean, however, I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned Chelsea in this pod. I feel like Chelsea was a more applicable team than Nottingham Forest. But, you know, you do you, bro. You do you. Well, I mean, what's really changed that we haven't really said about Chelsea? They're still mid-table. They're still shit. Frank Lampard's still there. Forest have secured Premier League football for the first time in a long time. I suppose. But, you know, we, we can get Joe back on, mate, and just grill him about why Chelsea are so shit. I think that, that is his own know. episode. Half I mean, he's gone into away. hiding ever since the Chelsea mm. pod. <laughs> he, was, he had uh, yeah. very high hopes for Big Bowley, and I think that was misguided. <laughs> well, I think clearly, clearly misguided. The guy knows absolutely nothing. On the two ends of the spectrum for owners, you've got 
Tony Bloom as the gold standard and very much Todd Bowley mm-hmm. at the other end. It is something yeah. special. It is something special, but you know what? You're right. What else can you say about Chelsea other than they are absolutely trash? At least Nottingham Forest yeah. has a nice story. It was, I mean, they won the game with like 21% possession, which is outrageous, but they have that. that is, They're a solid team. That is incredibly and low. That's I think Nottingham Forest is the perfect example of sticking with your manager. And it doesn't always work. You know, like I'm not saying you should always stick with your manager. If it's going wrong, it's going wrong, you know? But I love the fact that if they flipped the script and the owner doubled down and gave him a new contract at a time when it was, you know, looking likely he was going to get um, get get fired. And I think this season, it might be the record for the most Premier League sackings and it just gets higher and higher each year. So it's becoming, you know, just rare to see a manager who's been fighting relegation all year to see out the season and it's secure not- it with, what, one game yeah. remaining? It's not the done thing, because I was just looking at the table now. Out of all these teams, like, who... Like, Southampton, they changed their manager from Hassan Hootal. Let's be honest, in hindsight, probably a mistake, because he was really papering over some cracks there. Leicester got rid of Brendan. Don't think it's made a difference either way. Leeds, like, there's not... There's not justification for keeping the manager based on a lot of these... Like Wolves got better, Palace got better, West Ham are the only ones who somehow have managed to keep their manager and not be in the relegation zone. But it was touch and go for a long time. I don't think there's merit to keeping your manager, is what I'm trying to say in this long-winded thing. But Steve Cooper is a good lad. So I'm happy it's worked out for him because he's got Liverpool. I think he I think he used to coach at Liverpool at some point. But let's do a little history lesson again, just so everyone can appreciate the gravitas of this. So when he took over 20 months ago, Steve Cooper, Nottingham Forest were bottom of the championship. They were awful. They just lost like game Mm. after game after game. And so that was within two years ago. And he took them from being last to being promoted through the playoffs last season, I believe. And then he did it with a team made up of mercenaries, like lone players, just anyone he could get his hands on, basically. And they just had just enough, this like ragtag group to get promoted. Then they only had about six permanent players at that point because they all went back to their clubs or ran out of contract. So there was method to the madness. They did get a bit carried away because they definitely bought players and then saw that there was a shinier, better version and just bought them immediately, such as Harry Toffolo to Red and Lodi. Literally just bought two left-backs in the same window because they were like, ooh, Champions League left-back, go on then. So yeah. it did get a bit carried away, but in the end it has all worked out and you feel like this summer might give them an opportunity to stabilise a bit to actually look at some of these players um, and actually make some yeah, considered signings. Now they don't just need to fill um, the squad out with well, literally anyone. The benefit of what they've done is they've built a Premier League squad by just sheer quantity. And as you say, they can. Steve Cooper's now had a season with a stupid amount of players. Um and yeah, you know, he can he can he can move on some that maybe aren't up to the standard. But you think of players like Danilo, who he brought in from Brazil. I think it's Fluminense Fluminese. Could be wrong. No, it's Palmeiras. He comes from Palmeiras. Mm. He was highly rated this player. He was linked to Arsenal a couple of times and he has been phenomenal for them in the second half of the season. So they have backed him. They really backed him. And you know, I think yeah. they they sacked their director of football mid season when things were going badly. 
They did, it's, it's, and then they gave him a new five-year contract. They really put it all on the on the table and backed their man. Yeah, and the owner's a bit of a maverick. It's that Greek fella, isn't he? I'm pretty sure he owns Olympiacos. Could be wrong. Um, I think you're right. He he definitely seems like a character. He sounds like the kind of guy character. who at any point could just chop Steve Cooper, but fair play to I him. know. Do you know, like... I'm not even trying to be prejudiced here, but if you said, like, there was one kind of wild card football owner, he's up there yeah. in the Premier League, in my opinion. 100%. Like, yeah. 100%. You look at him, he's like, he's he signed 30 players. He is very outspoken. He is slightly slightly mad at times. And he's mm-hmm. made a very sensible decision to just keep a very talented manager in the job. He must have a really good working relationships. Yeah, I agree that it's nice to see, how, see it work out for Steve Cooper. Mm-hmm. Have they been Let's fantastic question, this season? No. No. Yeah. no. no, they haven't. I think a lot I just of mistakes have been made this, this season, generally. Yes. Um, I think, I think there's, just, there's just worse teams below them. I think Leeds, Leicester, Southampton yeah. have just been trash this season, right? Yeah. There are teams that are definitely just worse in general. Worse players. Arguably just just worse, worsely managed more than anything. Just a mismanagement mm. of transfer money of personnel like Leeds are just a shambles and Leeds shouldn't be in that position their team was really good last season but they've just squandered it and bought players they didn't need and spent all their money on, and they got rid of the manager who signed them it's you've got to do one or the other I think like Forrest if they back Steve Cooper they were like if we're going to back him we're going to fucking back him though like we're not going to sack him unless it's untenable we're not going to sack him and Leeds did the same thing they were like right we're going to back Jesse Marsh and got rid of him a day after the jet, the transfer of the shot, and this that mm. contrast has killed them. If they backed Jesse Marsh, I'm sure they would have been okay in the end because he obviously had a plan. He can't be a total just walking beep. He must have had a plan. Let him cook with can't. the rest of his players. Yeah, did they give him enough time in hindsight? Because who did they bring in? Javi Gracia, which didn't work out. And then they got no. Big Sam for four games, which is just like desperation. And here they are in the drop zone, looking very likely to go down. Um, yeah, I mean, this should be a lesson. You should give your managers time, even when the going gets tough. And I'm sure mm-hmm. that was more commonplace back in the day. So it is refreshing to see. And all credit to Forrest. I mean, Forrest yeah. fans, is anyone listening? Let us know what you think of the season. Is Who's your favourite player? Who's been the standout player? You could, I guess it's been Morgan oh, Gibbs-White. Morgan Gibbs-White and Brennan Johnson by far mm. but I'd say mm. they've been very well stacked in the goalie department as well they had Henderson on loan for half fit till he got injured and Kayla Navas either on loan or on a short term contract Two that was a good decision yeah, yeah that was a good decision that. Kayla Navas definitely saved them a couple of points easily mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see who they try and go for you feel like a team like Forest, if they're smart they'd be looking at Southampton already and thinking hmm there's some players in there that we wouldn't mind like Absolutely. good prospects yeah. maybe some solid squad players as well that's what I'd do if I was them I'd just look at who's going down and just get some bargains especially Leicester imagine Forrest like just taking a few bits stripping some assets from Leicester like Harvey Barnes I mean if imagine if, if Brendan Leicester and Harvey Barnes yeah. I mean if Leicester Leeds and Southampton go down there's a lot to be poached from the three squads combined James Madison just immediately comes to mind mm-hmm. even Leeds you know some good players at Leeds 
I can't think of one right now, to be fair. <laughs> so, please tell me. I mean, Melier was supposed to be, but any goal he's yeah. considered the most goals of all time in a month. He hasn't had the best season, but the guy is young, so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Southampton definitely got some good players with Lavia, for example. I'd take that Bellum Kotchap at centre-back. I know he's faded away at the second half of the season, but I think he's got some potential. But I'll anyway... I can't be bothered to talk about Forest anymore. We need to move Go on, on then. to Arsenal and the bottle. Now, I think... It so bad? It's hard. It's a hard one. I think there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of factors at play here. And I think the main reason we weren't able to sustain is we don't have the squad depth on the same level as City. And I think City are way ahead in terms of their project. And I think the injury to Saliba against Sporting Lisbon in the first leg was was a game changer, alongside Tommy Yasu's injury, which is kind of less. But the, the defensive department, we, I think I don't think we've kept, I think we've kept maybe one or two clean sheets since that injury to Saliba, and that partnership was so solid. You know, you feel so secure when those two are playing at the back. Um, and I think that was a real turning point in the season for us. But whichever way you look at it, I, I, what have you taken, like? Nine points from 21? Or 24? The thing is, right, the only challenge I'd say is that losing one of your starting 11 at any point of the season, I mean, you lost Jesus for a bit and then you've lost Saliba for a bit. Tommy Asu's, I'll allow it as a start 11. Losing like two at the same time, Max, is really not that big of a deal. Like, that shouldn't be an excuse to have such a big collapse. It is an excuse, though, because, you know, we have not got the squad depth I think arguably Liverpool have a stronger squad so they are able to manage their injuries better like if you can't I don't think you can capitulate that much with one player like I think Liverpool haven't had their start 11 this entire season so we've gone between like one and five first team injuries at all times and it's not really Mm. an excuse still you know, you can't. I think it is an excuse. Yeah, it absolutely if, is if, an excuse. No, I disagree. I'm just going to keep talking though. over you because I completely disagree with your I, point. You know, I, look, let's look I at Liverpool season where they couldn't get. No, we're just going to keep talking over to each other until you stop talking. I'm just going to do a piss. <laughs> think of okay. your season where you think. No, no, no. Let's think of your season where you crumbled when VVD got GBH'd by Pickford. Who did you bring in? Who did you bring in? Nathaniel Phillips. Yeah? yeah. You just about scraped fourth place. It's the same situation. You replace Saliba with someone like Rob Holding. That's not squad depth. If you're City, you replace mm. them with Laporte. You replace them with Ake. Akanji is your backup utility player. I'm not saying... Akanji's still better than Holding, but I'm just saying, like, it is a legitimate excuse. And I think... Give us this summer, and I think we're going to have a very active summer. I think we're going to get Declan Rice. I really do. I think that's bang on. And I think next season that excuse cannot stand you know it cannot stand next season mm-hmm. but this season we were ahead of the curve anyway and I think that's why the bottle hurts a little bit more it's because it was so unexpected and people saying you know we won't get this chance again we probably won't you know in this era of City dominance you think of Liverpool's 97 point season one loss and they still didn't win the league in any other season pre-Pep you would have won the league by quite a distance you know so yeah that was upsetting I, I take your point. I was trying to look at players that you let go in the summer when you talk about squad depth because there is an element that we did always look at Arsenal's team and think it's, it is really light in terms of the squad. And we know Arteta likes a small squad, but we always said it was a risk and it almost paid off. 
hasn't even well, the injuries haven't been that bad all things considered but I'm looking at his outgoings and I'm not going to lie there's not a lot that was worth sticking around you could make a case for Gendouzi well, but you know. beyond the top 11 but beyond the starting 11 we really don't have that much squad depth Reese Nelson yeah. isn't a title winning backup winger when the, when when City have got Mahrez and Foden it's incomparable mm. so I I think just we we need to look at it from a positive point of view obviously you know there's no point letting this destroy you but the reality is is eight points ahead at Christmas eight points ahead going into February that is that is us throwing it away and it was in our own hands but you know City are a bayam off right the cat's getting really testy now I do apologise for all this rumbling in the background she knows I'm talking about Arsenal she wants to come give me a hug <laughs> um, <laughs> I yeah I don't know I, I, I think the bottle thing's carried away because I think a lot of a lot of other fans have had a crap season so I think they'll like, take pleasure in the fact that you know that is very fair we that, are you know, we, we, we've choked it we're yeah we're, drag, we're dragging you down to our shitty level as well because everyone's shit now everyone's had a shit season of course Arsenal Arsenal had a good season objectively but you know where it could have been you've had a shit season just like everyone else now and that's just the way we've dragged you all down but there is unfortunately the mental strain of City chasing you is too much I'd say for most squads Um, that's fair enough this Arsenal team is very young inexperienced they haven't been in this position before perfectly justified to feel the pressure and crumble under it I maintain that Arteta didn't rotate at all for about five months straight even if there were double game weeks and I feel like that was silly but then seems like there was a lack of trust okay, 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 who, who, who do you ro- who, who would who would you have rotated well I'm looking at the squad now and it's fucking awful but no, 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 no. And before you say Trossard, Jorginho, they weren't there. So if you're saying in the first half of the season, who would you have rotated out of that first 11? So, hang on, let me look at it. Let me look at it. Let me look at the squad. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm guessing Smith, Smith Rowe was uh, injured. Yeah. Well, it's pretty simple, mate. Really? El Nenny, plenty more games than him. First and foremost. <laughs> um... God, who would you weak. who would you have rotated that you would have thought man for man go on I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, well, I'll go all day brother I'll go all day okay, I don't I'll, have I'll all day a new, I've got a new a new a new strap shouldn't have let Maitland-Niles go could have done with him <laughs> feeling hit a right back centre mid relegated back. Ainsley yeah. I actually love Ainsley to be Sh- fair he was fantastic it, in that FA Cup final win against looking Chelsea, at how thin this squad is it is crazy that you would let anyone leave to be honest it's actually ridiculous you literally have 13 players basically Fabio exactly. Vieira has been rubbish that was a mistake he needs a season I don't think he didn't a get, mistake he didn't get many minutes to be fair no but you know there are players that like is that is one you know that is one then. he's a project player. apart from that there's literally nothing there your squad is tiny you shouldn't have done this well you did try exactly so in hindsight is it a bottle or is it an overachievement second place based it's on It's an overachievement, score? but then it, it's turned into a bottle. But then you're a vi- we're a victim of our own success then. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course you are. But yeah. you know what? It's better to be in your position than Tottenham's position, for example, where you're just rubbish. Well, arguably, and again, you know, I'm not trying to shit on Tottenham, but I am. Tottenham 
have a stronger squad going into the season. They spent 150 mil last summer. They have Ooh. arguably more superstars than their team. They should, by all means, be up there with us. And that's why I'm taking some solace. And it became pretty clear after the devastating results against Liverpool, Southampton, West Ham, the loss at home to Brighton. There's some crushing results in these final games. And, you know, maybe that comes down to squad depth. Maybe that comes down to not believing. Maybe that comes down to sleep. And maybe it comes down to all of it. But I do feel big summer. You know, Arsenal notoriously bad at keeping hold of their best prospects. This this season alone, Saka, five-year contract. Martinelli, yeah. five-year contract. Ramsdale, five-year contract. Come on, mate. This is old news. Next. Mate, this is old news. Come on. Talk to us about Saliba. Where's his contract? Mate, What's I'm going nervous. on there? I'm fucking nervous. I'm fucking <laughs> exactly. nervous about Saliba, bro. Fucking nervous. I always thought it was weird letting him go alone for three years. Like, it doesn't really show much faith in him. And now he's, you know, he's had a crazily good season. But I'm nervous. I don't think he's going to sign. I just I knew it from the start and I think I actually mm. said it in the pod at the beginning of the season I don't think he's going to sign I think yeah and I he think seems the Saka least likely to at the moment and Saliba would go yeah but the I think it's, he'd, is, he'd be really stupid to leave now I do but I don't know mate one more good season of Arsenal and then a free transfer mate 300k a week free transfer for one of the best young rate centre-backs maybe it's all part of the strap mate he could get he can move to any club realistically if he has a good season again he's playing you but you need him mm. well it's it's one of those it, we're at an impasse isn't it you know the, the agent's going to hold out for the absolute maximum <laughs> that is looming over us so the ball's in his court I've seen enough from him to think that he'll stay I don't think his Arsenal journey's over but it would be a massive massive loss to lose him after two seasons if- in the first team if someone put 50 mil on the table this summer, would you take it? I think 50 mil's not that much anymore, though, is it? You know, with the no. Premier League cash, you don't fucking need 50 mil. You need a right, really good centre-back. I mean, if you think, who are you going to replace Saliba with? Mm. I mean, I've never seen him play, but I'm just going to throw it out there because he's available to free. Indica. Apparently he's good. <laughs> right, Endicca from where is it? Where was Endicca plays? It is it Mines? He plays for Mines 05, doesn't he? Frankfurt, Frankfurt, cool. Or maybe Mines, yeah. That's no shade on Frankfurt, but you know Saliba, you know who actually broke into the France team this year. It was unbelievable at the, in the first half of the season. Post World Cup, he was a little bit more shaky. Ah, just it's incomparable. Center, decent centre backs are coming out of premium. I think fifty mil. I think we've just got to risk it's, it. It's, if he leaves on a free, he leaves on a free. Firstly, Ndika is a France under-21 international. He right. could easily be Saliba. Yeah, he could be. But, you know, Saliba, it's just not as simple as that. It's not as simple as, like, it's like for like, is it? You know, Saliba's no, had a year not. of being coached in Arteta's system. He's had a year of playing with Gabriel and Ben White and his right. It's just, it's just, you can't just keep chucking people in and, you know, expecting it to work. And I think... Stability okay. is what this Arsenal squad needs. How about this then? Move Ben White back into his rightful position. Nah, he's back. so much better at right back. He's so much better at right back. Tommy Essie starting right back and then you get another player in who, who can play across those as well. We're, we, we, we'd be weaker for it, but realistically, that could happen the way that is going. Yeah, that seems like a pretty likely outcome. Be a shame though, but 
that is the curse of I do feel we're going to sign another centre back anyway this yeah, summer because I think Rob Holding if, has got to be replaced <laughs> if we want to go places no offence Rob Holding but yeah this has really highlighted the absolute drop off in quality yeah and you know with Champions League football for the first time in seven years is huge fucking huge mate we'll actually have a mm-hmm. bit of pull and I think for the first time like, I'm seeing players like Declan Rice fancying moves to Arsenal for the first time players are talking about a move to Arsenal being you know their dream but like for ages bro it wasn't like that you know like well, when no. I was young it was like that and then we had the Emirates era up until the end of Wenger's reign where you know Arsenal suddenly were a second tier team and it feels like this season regardless of whether we've won the league we are at least back into that elite level where clubs take us seriously. And it's going to be so fun watching Bakayo Saka play in Champions League football next year. I'm excited for all of it, mate. I think Martinelli is primed for a true breakout season next season. Like I a, think so. Oh, maybe he's actually as good as Saka kind of season, you know? Put up some serious numbers. Well, I mean, the numbers this season are comparable. It. I mean, we should talk about Saka. Yeah, the drop-off is real. Yeah, you need another forward to cover Saka potentially as well there's a lot of players that you need what kind of aside from Declan Rice is there anyone else that you'd like to see come in that you think's realistic and achievable well the Oracle Ornstein's most recent Athletic article we haven't plugged them in a while but Athletic we are still going he Buy has us. put we are coming to the table it's the summer Traffs, transfers mm-hmm. happen mm-hmm. you know we're here we're ready and we're fucking whoring ourselves for money Okay, so <laughs> just bear that in mind. Um, but in his most recent article on the Athletic, uh, he actually put, "We are very, very keen on a certain Mason Mount," which excites me greatly. Because obviously, Xhaka, Aww. my hero, my love, my icon, my midfielder, my rock, my granite, he <laughs> <laughs> he is looking like he's going to Leverkusen to join Xabi Alonso, which is really sad, actually, really. Hits uh, hit me hard that. Um, so Surely it looks like not. two midfielders. Yeah, yeah it's, he's not it's pretty much. I the... I think something may have happened. I think maybe him and Arteta maybe had a fallen out. To be honest, the way that it's just like it's so like yeah he's gonna go. I think he probably lost his call cool that we fucked up the league and he's you know like the point of no return for Granite. But the redemption arc's complete. He goes out an Arsenal legend, which is crazy. Um. And he's earned the respect of every single Guna. It's unanimous these Timing days, really so. is everything, isn't it? Because I feel like what you're saying, there are Arsenal fans who would consider him a bigger legend than someone like Ozil or Bamiyang. When really he's been shit for basically his entire Arsenal career up until this year. Maybe not shit, maybe that's harsh, but he's not been very good. This year he's been really good. Out yourself as a casual there, mate. Out yourself as a casual there. But I just think it's just timing, isn't it? Just timing of everything of these moves. Is Casemiro shit? Mm, no, but we might have all Why got not? a bit carried away. I mean, he gets as many red cards as Granite. If that's your only, if that's your only bar for being shit, then yeah. But Casemiro did some stuff as well. I don't know. He's new and shiny. If he continues like this, then he probably won't be a successful. Nah, but look. Anyone will know that I've supported Granit Xhaka's whole Arsenal career. And I stand by it. I was justified because I know ball and no one else does. So stick that. It's hard to argue. Smoke it. I mean, 
Yeah, you were wrong for a very long time, but I guess no. you were right in the end. I was right the whole time. You were all wrong. How are you getting this <laughs> so wrong? What? Yeah, <laughs> you I mean, nuts. You just got, you just you got, got lucky, nuts. I guess, in the end, really. It's just perfect lucky. storm. Good players around him. Just dragged his level up. All right. Well, uh, I could talk about Granite for forevermore, but we do have a final bit before we go. I don't really know what this bit is. I mean, Jack's got some crazy ideas over the summer, so I suppose I'll let you yes. take it away, really. So, hello. Welcome to me trying to sell you to listen to us over the summer. Um, we're not going anywhere. I'd say for a debut season, I'd give us I'd give us 7 out of 10. The mistakes were made. There's things we could have improved. The audio quality at some point during the middle was pretty atrocious. But I think we're ending yeah. pretty strong. Yeah, we had a week off, but you know... We bottled it. Everyone bottles it at some point. And we should I think probably talk about why. games and a World Cup showing up. We're allowed to day off. It was a meaningless game at the end of the season. And there's mitigation. We had just been on a holiday. Both of us. Yeah, we should probably it qualify was, uh, why we took a took a week off. And it's a very valid reason. Which is, we went ever... to the home. No, no, actually, yeah, go on, Jack. No, 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 I'll let you set the scene. You do it, you do it, you do it. Well... No, no, no. You go, you go, you go. I feel like you're going to go into something. I was going to go into a very different tangent about Football Manager there. I mean, I love a tangent to Football Manager. I was just saying we graced the home, the spiritual home of clubbing, the home of 160 BPM techno. And that, my friends, is Berlin. Ich bin Berliner. So we went out there for a long weekend. You know the rest. We took a week to recover. And the idea of sitting down in front of a microphone and talking about us losing the title race was just beyond me. <laughs> Couldn't do that, brother. So we took a tactical week off, mate. We took a tactical week off and I feel all the better for it. Don't know about you, Jack? Me too. No, me too. I think we needed it, to be honest. I think we've been playing catch-up since the World Cup, since we tried to do every single World Cup game over Christmas. That was a mistake. Those are the kind of lessons you learn on the debut season. The do's and don'ts. And we've taken that learning and we may or may not cover some of the Women's World Cup this summer. But if we do, you can guarantee it won't be every game. It'll just be some. And that is growth. That is growth that we deliver. Other things to look forward to. Post-season. MVP times LVP series. Name. There's an asterisk by the name currently. But we're going to do a whole series about sort of best moment or best person at each club worst person micro series that shit so stay tuned for that that'll be fun logical transfers is coming back 2.0 more logical more transfery more of that and we'll probably find time to make fun of Chelsea as they go on another splurge and then the big news for anyone who's still here mate you're a real one (laughs) the big news is that we will finally start doing YouTube stuff because that's the way forward, right? YouTube, he was saying before this pod, YouTube is the new TV for a, for a slightly younger demographic than us. And so we're going to service that shit. YouTube will become a thing. We will do more short form content around it. And we'll probably get some guests on. We kind of didn't get any guests. Full disclosure, we had big plans. Life, life, life happens. You get it. Sometimes you plan to do stuff. And then in the future, you're like, I don't really want to do that anymore. That's life. But we're going to get some guests. And so, 
This is not even our last pod. So I don't know why I'm wrapping it up like this. We've literally got another pod to do next week. Yeah, uh, premature, mate. You need to you need to chill the fuck out, mate. You're revealing our hands a bit too soon. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't really know what we're going to do because we've basically just summarised the season. This one, are we just going to go to game reviews again? <laughs> Nah, do you know what? Look, we'll do any any key things that happen, which will be few things. Bar some sort of miracle, and Liverpool get the top four. Nothing really is going to happen. Maybe we'll talk about Everton. I tell you what, no, 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 I got it. Down. I got it. I got it. Yes. No, no one's going to send us these, but send us some voice notes if you want to be on this pod, and we'll do some Q and fucking A. Right? Come on, engage with us, bro. Mm. We just. We, we, we'd love to hear from you guys stop being scared just voice note don't us be nervous be on the pod you control it's fine we'll do our best you know we're, we're ready for it we're, we're seasoned podcasters now I hate that sentence why did I say that but I've got the ick yeah I've got the ick I think it's probably a good time to end it there we just hit the hour that was just an absolute ramble that last 10 minutes but that's how it goes in this pod it's just what we do I hope yes. you enjoyed this format we certainly enjoyed it a bit more and yeah we will be back next week don't worry we're we'll not back. flaking out we're consistent we're just not always consistent <laughs> 99% of the time though we've shown up you know you would take that you would take that in a relationship got your back mm-hmm. pretty much every time unless I'm mm-hmm. really hung over and that's fair we've all been there don't judge us mm-hmm. judge yourself mm-hmm. for judging us and you know, if there's anything you want us to do during the summer that we haven't said that we were going to do, we'd love to do it. You just got to tell us what we need to do. So, do. There. Boom. Cool. I'm going to go. Jack's going to go. See you next week. Fuck you, City. You fucks. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, City. Fuck you. <laughs> Wasn't a bottle. It was a good season. All right? Oh, God. The, the wine's Shit here. It. Right. So, do the, the music. Music. Yes. Music. Do the music. Okay, cool. Do the curtain. Bye, guys. Yeah, 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 let's go. (laughs)